Welcome to Show Me Casey Schools podcast. I am Nina, the Director of Programs and Events with Show Me Casey Schools. Thank you for tuning in. This is another episode in our special education series, and I am so, so excited for this episode because we have two fearless advocates joining us in the conversation as we dive into what that parent experience is like navigating the special education K-12 space. Um, With me, I have Jillian Reiningberg and Stephanie Anser, who are going to share some of their experience, some of their tips, some of their um, feedback on their experience and things that they have come across as they've been navigating this space. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to be here. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So we are going to um, jump right in. Today, I really want to spend time talking about our experiences as parents, um, the experience that you all have also supporting others that are trying to navigate this space. Um, And my hope for this podcast episode is that our listeners can walk away, one, feeling like they um, hear a piece of themselves, right? Have somebody else that has gone through these things that can relate to that experience, but having some hope and some resources that they can walk away with, um, all in an effort to continue to try to build community um, for those trying to navigate this space. So I wanted to start there. and would like to open it up for you all to share a little bit about your story, how you entered the special education space, um, and a little bit of that um, experience. Jillian, can you start with sharing about your experience with special education? Absolutely. So, hi, my name is Jillian Rainingbird. I am the mom of Monet, 19, Jayla would be 10, and CJ is 5. Uh, to my girls, brilliant, bold, beautiful black girls from the east side of Kansas City. Okay. My middle child, sweet Jayla, was born with muscular dystrophy, a very rare form of muscular dystrophy. And so um, our journey began prior to school even starting. And mm-hmm. so um, for her first two years of life, I kind of uh, fought for a diagnosis here in Kansas City for her. Couldn't really get one, but what here at Children's Mercy ended up going to St. Louis Children's Hospital and then ended up getting a diagnosis there. Mm-hmm. But one good thing that did happen at Children's Mercy was that they immediately got us into a program called First Steps. Mm-hmm. And so that is a state run program and it just offers um, an, what is it, independent, uh, independent, no, family service plan. I can't remember what the I stands for, Mm -hmm. but it's a family service plan. It's so similar to an IEP, but it's for families, for children with disabilities Mm -hmm. or delays, developmental delays under three years old. And so that's where we kind of got our, um, that's where we were kind of introduced into this whole special education um, life. Um, And so with that IFSP, Individual Family Service Plan is what it is. Mm -hmm. I knew it would come to me. (laughs) (laughs) So with the IFSP, the first step program will actually transition you right into uh, an IEP at three years old. So at three years old, that IFSP is transferred to the school district as an IEP. 
But when I tell you that there is so much support surrounding that transition into an IEP into the school district, mm-hmm. um, I always it's so much support that I encourage parents to actually if you have if you know your child has developmental delays, like contact first steps immediately and get mm-hmm. in, mm-hmm. because if you notice developmental delays uh, in preschool, it's kind of hard to get evaluated at three years old because they yeah. really don't have the schools will say, well, we don't have the data, even though you know that there's a disability. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. So that's kind of how we got started in this SPED journey. Awesome. Stephanie, could you share a little bit about your the beginnings of your journey? Yeah. Um, so uh, hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Answer. Uh, my husband, Daryl, and I live here obviously in Kansas City, and we have two kids. Um, Our daughter, Jaden, is eight, almost nine. She is in third grade now. And our son, Kian, is almost seven, and he is in first grade. Um, Our journey, kind of similar um, with you, Jillian, I am also a lover of First Steps. Um, They were an amazing resource for our family, too, and one that did not have a long wait list. Um, So we were able to um, get started pretty quickly. Our son, Kian, um, we actually found out he prenatally, they um, discovered he has kidney disease. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was like something we were processing during pregnancy that we thought, okay, we'll learn about this. This will be part of our story. Um, but then as he grew, um, he developed pretty typically outside of that until he was about 14 or 15 months. So he was saying words, he was playing with toys. All the typical things, just like our daughter did um, prior to him. But then about 14 months, he had a big um, developmental regression. So Mm -hmm. he stopped talking, stopped responding to his name. So we knew like something's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, He had a lot of sensory issues that were starting to come up. And so we started trying to figure out where do we go, Um, got on all the wait lists for assessments. Um, First Steps was actually able to get us in pretty quickly. So we started services with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But so, yeah, our journey started prior to preschool age. Um, We did have him in a therapeutic preschool. Mm -hmm. Um, So he received a lot of really great therapies early on, and they really helped with our transition into the school district. Um, So, um, Kian got an autism diagnosis then at 19 months. So we actually got a really early diagnosis or maybe mm-hmm. he was closer to 21 months um, when we actually got all the paperwork. Um, but we had already, had already started therapies and things like that prior. Um, but mm-hmm. that diagnosis then just opened up the doors to look f- to get more supports um, specific to that diagnosis. Um, so then he participated in an IEP um, transitioning into like pre-K from his therapeutic preschool. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, then our daughter, who had also been pretty typically developing, um, she started, she actually just stopped talking um, for about a year. Um, She was a peer in the program that our son was in. And so um, they helped us learn about um, a diagnosis that isn't as well known, but it's an anxiety-based diagnosis called mm-hmm. selective mutism. So because mm-hmm. of her anxiety, she was not physically able to get the words out. Um, so we started the process with her getting her some supports. Um, she made, She's done really well, but she's on a 504 plan. So mm-hmm. we've kind of navigated the space of 504 versus IEP and learning what that means and mm-hmm. 
being confused half the time, oh my but, so much. but um, just kind of like whatever you call it to give my I kid what they need. I need him. <laughs> um, so that kind of started our journey. So our daughter transitioned to kindergarten with a 504 and then our son transitioned to kindergarten with an IEP, um, which they both still have in place. I'm really um, happy to hear you all share your stories about some of those early interventions. Um, A part of this podcast series with special education. And if listeners, if you haven't listened to those previous episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. We do have one around special education basics that kind of go over those differences between the IEP, the 504. We also have another that talks about early learning interventions and what it can look like with home visiting services and getting first steps in place. So we cover all of that in those episodes. So if you haven't listened to that Definitely, definitely go back. But I think it's really important to highlight because a lot of times parents sometimes know that there may be something going on where it's like, well, maybe I need to wait till they get into elementary Mm -hmm. because that's what a lot of people are familiar with, with, you know, SPED services happening there. Um, And they don't really know how to navigate all of that. Um, I was thinking about Stephanie and I had a conversation in our office when I was kind of brain dumping this idea of having this, you know, special education series. And I'm like, I really want to hear from parents and I would love to have this episode with you and Jillian. And I need one more parent who has like a different sped experience. That's kind of not as intense as certain diagnosis, just to kind of speak to families that have, different experiences and like as we're sitting there talking I like turn my head and look at her and I'm like oh that's me (laughs) so I'll share (laughs) a little bit about my experience navigating the special education space so um when I was in undergrad we lived in a smaller town in Missouri we were not in the KCPS boundaries um and my daughter was in the first grade or Yes, first grade. And I'm like, something's going on with her speech. Things don't sound quite right. Something's happening here. And so I remember um, reaching out to the school and saying, something's going on with my daughter with speech. I need her evaluated. And they're like, what grade is she in? And I'm like, first grade. Here's what's happening. I think she needs to be evaluated. Let me just add this disclaimer. Okay. We were in a public district. Um, My daughter was the only black child in her classroom and probably one of a handful. And all the other ones was related. Okay. So that lets you know (laughs) we was like in a small area. Um, So eventually they go in, they evaluate her. And come back and say, she doesn't need speech. I don't know. What she's doing is age appropriate. So, and I'm like, no, it's not. Mm -hmm. There's no way. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm listening to her peers. I've worked in childcare spaces and worked with students. I'm like, no. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, you know what? We're about to move because I'm going to graduate. We're going to go back to Kansas City. And so when we got back to Kansas City, the following school year, second grade, she was going to a local charter school. Started the process over. I need her evaluated. Something's going on and she needs services. I need to figure out what's happening. Um, 
it drug on forever, which I'm mm-hmm. sure you know. Mm-hmm. And my daughter needs speech. Okay, so yes, we wanted a dress, but there are some other needs where students need interventions quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, is this taking this long for everybody? This is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. So sometime during the second semester of school, we finally got the IEP rolling and services in place. And then she had a couple of sessions and then the school year ended. Um, But she was able to continue on those services and eventually about fourth grade graduated out of speech. Um, During that time, we actually ended up transferring to another charter school who received her IEP, saw that she was not getting enough time with the speech therapist, increased her minutes. Um, And from there, um, between third and fourth grade, was able to completely graduate out of speech. Um, And because my daughter is now entering into her sophomore year in high school, Mm. I'm going to try not to cry. (laughs) Um, Because it was a while ago, I sometimes forget um about that experience also because i think sometimes i do and this is not okay i do kind of minimize it i'm like because there's so many families that i've interacted with you all included who have had to really fight and navigate the sped space for things that were i don't want to say make it out like hurt needs weren't vital like having speech therapy was vital but like some things are a little bit more urgent and more pressing that's just the reality of it so I think because of that I kind of make my experience take a back seat but the truth of the matter is that it's a lot of families who have this thought of like I'm not sure if this rises to the need of needing an IEP I'm not sure if there's services for this thing um my encouragement would be to Write the letter, mm-hmm. ask for an evaluation, mm-hmm. keep asking if you know something is going on with your student, because more times than not, there are services that your student is entitled to. And oftentimes we don't know until we start going down that road mm-hmm. and figuring out, oh, OK, I am entitled to having this IEP. I am entitled to these services. So my next question was going to be to you all just. um in the in the spirit of checking in and being honest, what are some of the things that you felt just as a parent navigating sped? I'm gonna keep it clean. <laughs> do what you need to do. We can they got a clean button on there if we need it. I was ready to whoop some. I ain't gonna say it. I'll let y'all figure it out. But I was ready to take it there. Listen. Going back to like what you said, like I I always encourage parents like you are the experts of your children. Right. I knew something wasn't wrong with Jayla. I had an older kid. The doctor's like, no, she's you know, all kids develop different. You know, everybody just about every kid's every kid's uh, looks different when they're developing. And I'm like, "Mm, nah, bro. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. I knew it. I knew it in my. I tell people all the time I knew it in my soul. Something was different with her, which there was. Um. And so I always like encourage everybody to like just keep pushing for that I uh, for that to for your child to be evaluated if they're not already already evaluated. Mm-hmm. Contact first steps. I can't say that enough. I don't even have a comp, uh, um, um, a relationship right now with first steps because I don't have a child in there. But uh, so there, this is in no way of just trying to hype up first steps. But, but yeah. it's a really good state run program. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, I just I, I wanted to throw that in. I'll, Stephanie, I'll let you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a really overwhelming. Like I go back to like diagnosis day, even knowing. And that's when I was hearing you share, Nina. Like, that's what I'm like. No, like, you know, mm-hmm. and as parents, I think we whether it's in a doctor's appointment or at a school, like we're made to feel like, oh, I'm with the professional. And so they must know. And that's not discounting education and practice and all of that. But it's like, we know our kids and we know if something doesn't feel right. And so like, trust your gut and yeah, keep fighting or bring other people in with you to the fight. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think like even knowing something was up, like getting the diagnosis is just, heavy and it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you get handed this stack of papers <laughs> and it's like good luck you know mm-hmm. and then you don't hear from them no more mm-hmm. and you take it home and like nothing has changed like everything about your child everything but everything's still the same but it's like what do i what do i do and so mm-hmm. even having some of those early supports like you still don't necessarily know like okay there's like 150 things on the that they told me I need to do, like, what do I actually do first? Mm-hmm. Or like, what, who do I talk to for this? And so, um, and then honestly, like when you get told your child doesn't qualify for the service mm-hmm. or, and I, and I ran into that, our son's needs are more obvious. Like you see them right away. You can't really deny <laughs> what is happening. Um, and so, it wasn't as much with him, but that's why I wanted to also mention my daughter with the 504 because that can go under the radar. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, just because it's not presenting as much of a challenge to the to the classroom environment mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. did not mean she didn't need need that. And so we were told by one one school, like, no, she doesn't qualify for anything, not an IEP. Um, and then I tried to push for a 504 and still to this day five years later have never received communication back and mm-hmm. and so like knowing like my kid needs something and I'm, and and they're not getting it or mm-hmm. the other challenge is um i feel like we've had great experiences and also terrible experiences in in both 504s and ieps and i think when thinking about the not so great experiences like it's like it's written on the paper mm-hmm. but you're not doing it mm-hmm. um And so that's also frustrating um, because it's like, okay, here's what it said is, is he supposed to be getting and that's not happening. Right. Or I don't even know what the teacher's name or how to get in touch with them Mm -hmm. until a month into school or like, what do I do when I have this document? But like it's it's not happening, and the, the teacher knows it's not happening. She's probably equally as frustrated right. <laughs> that it's not happening. Right. But then, who do I go to, right. or how do we make this happen? Um, and if I'm honest, too, even the question around like, can my son go to school? Like, mm-hmm. what does school look like for him? Um, can he be here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you know, like what what will that be like? Well, and and so I think that's just a another very real aspect of it that we're even having a, a good experience now like i still don't know the answer to that yeah, all the time and what and things still will look like in wonder. the future yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I will, just to follow up too mm-hmm. though my feelings overwhelming mm-hmm. frustration almost yeah. all the time and so those just those are just two words that that come 
to me when you when you'd ask that question on what yeah. we were feeling during our journey. So. Yeah, I definitely felt frustration. I, um, you know, you start to like swirl in the head of like wondering, like, well, why isn't this happening? And why are people not responding to me? And I'm like, is it because I'm, you know, the young parent? Is it because I'm the only black parent? Is it because of this? Is it because of that? It's because they don't think these needs, you know, rise to the level of needing intervention. Like, what is it that's happening where I'm like hitting these barriers and it's not moving forward? And then the other thing is, Having to be with your child and their feelings and experiences going through the process, right? And so they're getting pulled out. Why am I got? Why do I have to get pulled out? Why can't I can't stay in my classroom? Like all these different things are happening. Um, and yes, I think overwhelming and frustration are definitely the feelings that that rise up for me with that. Um, but. One thing that I have seen in you all and many other countless parents is the determination to keep pushing and keep fighting. Um, And I just want to encourage our listeners to keep Mm -hmm. at it. I know Mm -hmm. it's a lot. I know it's overwhelming. It's tiring. You're working Mm -hmm. and trying to navigate. You know, I just have one child. I couldn't imagine having to navigate you know, spit or anything with multiple children. So I want to encourage our listeners um, and viewers who are discouraged, tired. I get it. We felt it. We're going to have some resources in our show notes just to connect you um, to us, to other communities, to different resources to support you in this. We're going to pause here. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about, um, navigating the special education space welcome back and we are talking about the experiences that we've had as parents navigating the special education um, journey in k through 12 spaces so before we talked a little bit about our stories and kind of what led us to even needing um, special education for our students. I want to talk now, um, and as we're thinking about our own experiences and our experiences maybe helping others, what would you all say has been the most challenging aspect of navigating special education? Um, I think... You know, earlier in my story, I shared like at first it's just like, what do I (laughs) what do I do? Um, I think a big part for me that was challenging, too, was just like not knowing what I could really expect. So, like, Mm -hmm. am I asking for too much? Um, What can I ask for? Like, what does what is the school supposed to do? Just like knowing, um, okay, I can sit here and think of a bunch of things, but like am I going to be way out here right. <laughs> and I need to rein it in? Um, and also it's just really time consuming. Like, yes. mm-hmm. like it's like a whole nother job of managing your kids needs and then documenting conversations and, and things that happen. So I think those were some of the hard things for me. Yeah. And I think some of those barriers was the lack of resources Mm-hmm. The lack mm-hmm. of knowledge mm-hmm. about resources, because sometimes there's resources there. We just don't know about them or we yes. just can't attain yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And so that has been one of the those have been some barriers. But I also want to say that um, organizing parents this past year, special education parents this year, 
um, um, with the Parent Power Lab, which is where I kind of really started working closely with Stephanie. She showed up in those parent um, pop-ups for people with uh, our children, parents with children with disabilities. Um, two things kind of unfolded from all that, from just organizing and talking with other parents is, um, the first one is, is parents not understanding basic, intermediate, or advanced um, special education, so mm-hmm. IDEA. And then the second one was um, children not receiving FAPE. So that's free, appropriate public education. Mm-hmm. So that's a good segue into my next question. You mentioned about resources and just this gap in understanding. Julian, I'm going to start with you. What have you learned um, through your own journey or your journey supporting parents um, as it relates to helpful tips in navigating the space, resources that you've discovered that you didn't know exist, you know, at one point, um, or even new resources that have been created. Um, what are some of those things that you could share with us? Man, so um, one of the things that I always encourage parents to do is um, things that I wish I that I didn't know that I know now is um, make sure that you um do everything by um, email or when I say do everything, I mean, communicate with the schools by email or by mm-hmm. mail. So mm-hmm. make sure that everything is written and that you have copies of everything. Um, the first thing I would encourage all parents to have is go ahead and get you one of those binders, not the small one, the big one, because mm-hmm. this sped life, you're going to need it in this sped life. Do you it's hear a me? lot of documents? Um, and then um, one of the other resources is get with um, parents who have been through this journey. Yeah. Right. Yes. Feel free to reach out. I've never met a parent who's been through this sped journey who's said, I can't help you. They've right. always been so helpful and yeah. so knowledgeable. And um, also um, another resource is the Parent Power Lab. They're coming, they're getting ready to do some extraordinary work around mm-hmm. uh, uh, families with special education and just supporting them. And mm-hmm. so I can't wait to see what that all looks like. That's awesome. Yes, we are going to have Parent Power Lab linked in our show notes. We have done multiple episodes with reps from Parent Power Lab. We absolutely love them. But yes, that's a great place to get connected. Stephanie, what would you say are some helpful tips and resources that you've discovered along this journey? I know for us, and I know we're sitting here on the Show Me Casey Schools podcast, but like Show Me Casey Schools has been a huge support to me. Mm -hmm. Um, The school navigators and we worked real closely with Danielle, Mm -hmm. who was like, has a emphasis with special special education yes. and so like I met her actually when my kids were in the therapeutic preschool so I feel like it was a blessing because like I was figuring out I got a contact person you know early on mm-hmm. but um I really leaned on you guys a mm-hmm. ton um mm-hmm. for both my kids transitions into kindergarten and even like helping me answer those questions of like what you know, what can I ask for? Or like, what, what do I do if this isn't happening? Mm -hmm. Um, so I would definitely like, cannot talk about our sped journey without show me Casey schools. Cause Mm -hmm. it's really been a huge support to us. And then, um, same like usually in like other parents, um, that I've been connected to that just share their story or are willing to like brainstorm with me or like share what they've done with their kids. Um, and then also like another thing is just 
you know, there's Facebook groups for everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But like I've, I'm in Facebook groups that are specific to my kid's diagnosis. Um, Some are even specific to Kansas city. And then some are like a national group. Um, Even, um, you know, as we've been learning more about autism specifically, like trying to really find those networks of autistic individuals to really hear from the, uh, from the autistic community themselves. So like, I think, Social media is a huge connection point, but um, I've learned a lot from other families or other individuals with the same disabilities as my kids um, in those spaces. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to shout both of you out because obviously, I mean, I get you're not going to like throw yourself out there as a resource, but there have been multiple times where I've been in the community and seen y'all in coffee shops or seen y'all walking into schools with parents and coming out of meetings and things like that. So I appreciate you all and the work that you are doing because you two have been a, a fantastic resource when we were thinking through, you know, this series and talking to folks about, you know, what voices need to be included. And everybody's like, have you talked to Stephanie? Have you talked to Julian? I'm like, of course, like they are already on the list. We already got them scheduled. Um, So I just wanted to send out a kudo to you all for that, for being a resource for families and helping them with this process as well. One of the things I do want to do, I don't want to name drop. But we do have both parents, caregivers, families, and also folks that are in school spaces as educators and people who are adjacent in nonprofit or social service organizations that tune into our podcast. What feedback would you provide to educators and resource providers in the special education space? All right, now, listen, (laughs) I don't mean to ruffle anybody's feathers, but that's what I was put on earth to do. No, Um, (laughs) the first thing, um, resources, like if you are an organization and if you have resources, um, I just got to lay it out there. You need to connect to the black and brown community, Mm -hmm. because when I look at the resources, there is systemically it's not equitable like Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. there's so many things that i see that are not happening and for some reason black and brown people with disabilities are just not being engaged Mm -hmm. and so organizations really need to step it up um and get inside those communities do some engaging and get those resources out there if it's free and you want your organization to continue because you're you got a lot of work to do right then get out there on the east side of kansas city Mm -hmm. connect with the people and connect with people Mm -hmm. and then educators all um man if you're in the business of educating that means educating all kids, regardless of what they look like, regardless of where their learning abilities are. Um, you're there to educate. So just educate. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes to all of that. Um, I don't know. I think for me, kind of that last thing you were saying, like, believe that every student can learn. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And don't. And that inclusion is good for all students, Um, not just saying that on paper or Mm -hmm. in thought, but Mm -hmm. then like act on it. So how are your how is your investment with your dollars? How is your staffing structure? How are your supports? Like, is there action to that belief? So I feel like a lot of people say it, but like 
is there action that that lines up with it? Um, and then I think also like for educators, for schools, like think outside of the box. Like yeah. let's not get stuck in a model of special education. But if it's truly individualized for each child, then like let's be willing to think outside the box to do things differently. Um, to learn from other folks like I think there's too many silos there's too much competition Um, if something is working then let's share it with Mm -hmm. others and if something isn't working then let's not be afraid to say that and like come back to the table um, and figure it out and I think um, trust Mm -hmm. like it has to be a team effort and parents are on that team Um, and it has yes (laughs) yes And, and parents have to like know that they're actually on the team and not just like a body in a seat for compliance purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, do, do the parents and the caregivers know that they like, they hold weight to yeah. this team. Um, and is there team collaboration? Like all of those things I think is like, I went kind of went off on a tangent, no, but, <laughs> but like those I think are some big things that I think um, are important in the spaces and for the people who are like charged with the goal of educating our kids. Yeah, something that I've been trying to actively do in my life is just going to interactions with the understanding that one, obviously, I don't know everything, but like there is something to learn from whoever mm-hmm. I'm interacting with. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you just kind of get caught up in your day to day. And if you're the, you know, considered the expert in the space, then you come into conversations and interactions thinking, I know everything. I can't mm-hmm. learn anything mm-hmm. from you from yes. this interaction. And I just think that that's untrue. So I think if we can hold on to that idea of every interaction I'm having with students and families Mm -hmm. and parents, there's something to learn and take away from that. There's value in that. We can't just discount things because we have the degree and the parent doesn't like, it doesn't work that way. So I think those are all great, great points of feedback. The thing that I want to leave our listeners with is a little bit of encouragement. What encouragement would you share with parents, caregivers, families who are maybe thinking they need to enter into the special education space and get that process started or some that are in it and they're discouraged and tired. What encouragement would you leave folks with today? Um, I think we've kind of said it, but one, trust your gut. Believe that you know your kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and don't don't give up. It is it is tiring. It it, it can be really discouraging. Um, but there's also some great success stories too. So like like I said, we've had both experiences, mm-hmm. and we've had some really great IEP meetings. When I was yeah. like, I didn't know there could be like mm-hmm. <laughs> this mm-hmm. feels different. Mm-hmm. So like and keep asking questions. Keep coming back to the table until you feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I think, like, also ask for everything and push for everything. Um, Kind of be open-handed. Like, I know I might not get this, but, like, paint your ideal picture because you know your kid. So, like, if if there was no barriers, no nothing, like, this is what I think would help support my kid in their least restrictive environment to give them a full education, mm-hmm. these, this, this, and this, and then like put it out there yeah. and see what happens. Um, and I think also just, um, 
visit a lot. There's a lot of options here <laughs> in Kansas mm-hmm. City, which is great and mm-hmm. also overwhelming. Um, but that means we we get choice. And right. so we can interview everyone mm-hmm. um, and, and see what you think is a good fit for your for your family. That's great. Um, everything that Stephanie said. <laughs> and then just to add on to that is I really want to get heavy on the don't give up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because for, for me as a mom, um, there was many sleepless nights. There was mm-hmm. many tears. There was many frustrations. There was many. I want to beat that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there was so much of that. And my emotions were everywhere. But you're also going to have those moments of joy. And mm-hmm. so and mm-hmm. then, um, like Stephanie said, like the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Ask for everything. Um, the worst that can happen is they say no. But I went, you know, to, for me, I was asking for everything. I want all of that because mm-hmm. I want my child to be educated. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then, um, let's see, there was one more um, thing I was going to hit on. And that was um, uh, know your rights under IDEA. Mm -hmm. Know your state education laws. Look at the recourse you have. Because if something's not happening right with your child, it just doesn't stop with what the school says. That's Mm -hmm. right. You have Mm -hmm. IDEA that protects you. There's protections under 504 and Mm -hmm. your IEP, which is covered by IDEA. And the state of Missouri has protections as well. So there's mediation. There's um, Mm -hmm. due process. But that's pretty serious. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah. Thanks, you. One other thing is just like, let's lean into each other mm-hmm. as parents and caregivers. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we're tired, like, call somebody like let's connect and and i've i've gone to friends iep meetings like just to take notes for them because like it's a lot going on so i'm like let me i'll write some stuff down Mm -hmm. for you so i think like how do we um reach out to each other um Mm -hmm. for that support too when we need it because if it's something big i'm gonna call jillian and be like will you come with me (laughs) because i'm not walking in here by myself um and i think like you said most parents most of us we're gonna do that for somebody else because mm-hmm. it's it's mutual like we need each other that's right heavy on that because it's the same right mm-hmm. it's the same if i need help i'm gonna be like stephanie yo because there's powers and numbers mm-hmm. but i also want to say is i really really believe and we really need to move away from this is that i believe that all of our children re- need to receive faith and that's free Mm-hmm. appropriate public education mm-hmm. and this might upset a few advocates out there but i don't charge i can't i can never see me charging other parents to help them and i so i think that now it's different if an organization wants to come in and pay us to right. help that's different <laughs> right. as right. long right. as that there's check. no financial <laughs> right. obligation or financial um the obligations that the parents have to deal with mm-hmm. then yeah but mm-hmm. uh, we got to get away from yes. that i could yeah better yeah. stop that yeah I think um, you all touched on all of it. The only thing that I want to um, just hammer in a little bit more is just the need for community, like even outside of like support for meetings and things like that. Just having someone who has had this experience that you can call and talk to and bounce ideas Mm -hmm. off of. You know, we talked a little bit about not knowing what to ask for and how much is too much or how much is not enough. And does this sound right? Having community helps with that. Mm -hmm. So you can fact check things. You can have support, have people in your in your corner that are encouraging you. One thing that we want to do is really point people towards parent power lab. Jillian mentioned, you know, there are going to be some things coming Mm -hmm. up with gathering 
families who have experience or who are currently navigating the special education space. So we really want to encourage you to get connected with them, visit their website, um, sign up on their mailing list. Um, we also mentioned about, obviously, Show Me Casey mm-hmm. Schools. So you have students and you need to explore all your school options. Reach out to us. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about the needs of your family and your student and what that looks like and what um, schools are available to you. Um, so all of those things. We'll have the Missouri Bill of Rights in the show notes. We'll have the safeguards in the <laughs> show notes. So definitely... Take a look at the show notes. We have some really great resources there for families to go over to help um, as you're trying to navigate this journey because it's a lot and it's a lot to read. Some of them are some heavy documents, but go ahead and get them and save them so you have them and you can access them when you need them. Um, Jillian, Stephanie, thank you so much. I am so grateful to you both for taking time to share your stories share resources and tips for our families. I appreciate you both so much for continuing to be advocates in this community, continuing to support families and students. We are going to keep this special education train rolling Mm -hmm. this series. At this point, it just may take off and become a whole thing by itself. Um, But we thank our listeners and viewers for tuning in. We want to encourage you to subscribe. And if you have not, be sure to go and check out those other episodes in our special education series. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Show Me Casey Schools is committed to providing you with vital information that supports you while you support your child on their educational journey. Connect with us on social media at SM. KCS and on YouTube at Show Me KC Schools and on all your favorite podcast platforms.